Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. We are going to stay on topic, but we're just not going to do a sermon. This is going to be a fireside chat today. Let me walk us back a week, just in case you missed last week or you partied way too hard on Friday night like it sounds like Renault did. <laughs> remind us of what we're preaching on. Um, last week we started a series called Shepherds and Sheep. And this, the purpose of this series is to bring the whole church along into a discussion that the elders started really three years ago. When we started asking the question more and more, what is eldership? Not what do the bylaws say, not what does the Secretary of State's office require us to have on paper, not even what does our denomination require of us, ugh, insert groan here, I hate bureaucracy. Anybody else with me on that one? But this good old-fashioned question that should matter a lot, what does the Word of God demand of us? Amen? So we started a Bible study, what does the Word of God say church leadership should look like? Who are we? What are we? Etc. The sermon last week said essentially three things. Now I'm going to do my best to remember my points from last week. So if you guys can't remember the sermon, you're off the hook because the preacher probably can't remember either. So the, the thesis of last week was that elders are responsible for making sure that the word of God is taught, is fed to the flock of God. Okay. So the illustration is, I want us to think of when David says in Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I want us to think of green grass. I want us to think of that as good Bible teaching. Does that make sense? I want us to think of those as very similar. Okay. The elders are responsible. All 66 books, um, Paul, when he's in a tearful goodbye to the Ephesian elders, he says, I did not fail to give you the whole counsel of God, right? He's saying, I didn't leave anything out. I was not uh, afraid to, I didn't leave anything out, okay? I gave you everything. I was courageous in, in my Bible teaching. The elders are responsible to teach us all of what God said. And when we hear Paul say that, I want us to hear an echo of what Jesus said Right before he ascended into heaven, he said, as you go, I'm translating Greek into English there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, what? Most of what I commanded you. I got one chuckle. All, right? In a post-modernity, our least favorite word is probably obey, but, but our second least favorite word is all. We want to pick and choose our religion, don't we? Teaching them to obey all. Okay? So we're trying to affirm that all 66 books have something to offer the family of God and that the elders bear a responsibility for how to bring that to bear on the family of God as a blessing. How do we bring that blessing? Um, so that's a little bit... It's not the same way I, brought, I, I shared it last week, but that's a little bit of what we brought from 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, 
Acts 6, 4, at what many would say is the formation of deacons, where the widows were in conflict saying, hey, the distribution of food isn't happening the way that it ought to, and there was a little bit of conflict. And what did the 12, the apostles, the very first elders, what did they say? The church family, broadly, everybody, please put forward seven godly men filled with the Spirit, and we're going to lay hands on them and appoint them to be in charge of this important ministry. Um, they're going to handle the distribution of food to widows. And what are they saying by doing that? They're saying the distribution of food to widows is really important ministry, but we shouldn't be doing it. They said those exact things. We shouldn't be managing this important ministry. We should be focusing on the ministry of the word and prayer. Those are the two things that they said right there in Acts chapter 6. And I'm sharing this with you guys, not only because it was last week, but this is what the elders have been discovering as we've studied the word the last three years. Guys, the elders are not a board. We are not pencil pushers. We are not businessmen. We are not there because we are good with money. We are not there because we donated the most money, heaven help us. We are not there because we want positions of power, ugh, right? If somebody wants a position of power, that's called a wolf. Can I get an amen? That's called a wolf. So when I say fireside chat, not a sermon, what I mean is I, I threw down, particularly in light of a few conversations that I had this week, um, reaching out to some potential elder candidates that I had coffee with, there are a few things that popped up that I realized, wow, there are a few conversations going on in pockets of the church family that I think should be stated out loud that maybe don't merit an entire sermon, but they ought to get said. Um, before I even get into this, I want to remind us just biblically, let's let the word speak for itself first. So would you turn with me to 1 Timothy 3, and let's just read it, those first six verses, to let Paul remind us what church leadership is supposed to be. 1 Timothy 3. First person in the hardback to get there, would you shout out a page number, please? This is Paul, a first century pastor, church planter, and he did not appoint elders when he went and sowed the gospel because everybody was a brand new Christian. And we're going to hear in just a little bit why he didn't appoint elders out of brand new Christians. He allowed these churches to exist without elders for a little while. And he has sent Timothy or Titus back behind a few years later to find mature men who were humble enough, he felt was humble enough. Starting at verse 1. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, 
He desires an honorable position. And let me stop for a second and get into the weeds. This is something I didn't do last week. But this is quite important, actually. And especially, I have to say this because in our very transient culture where we pick up and move to another city for the sake of work or even move to another state, many of us have not just been in one church our whole life. Raise your hand if you've been in two or more churches during your life, right? So a ton of us, okay? Some of us have been in churches where they use the word elder. Some of us have been in the church where they just had a deacon board. Some of us have been in churches where they only used the word pastor, right? The reason for this is because the Bible, Koine Greek, uses this word episkopoi or episkopos that can be translated elder, overseer, bishop, and depending on which translation, English translation of the Bible you're using, there are a bunch of reasonable different ways that the spiritual leader of the church could be named, and it's not wrong, okay? So depending on which tradition you're from, they might have used a different word, and they're not necessarily wrong, okay? It's not, we don't need to go to fisticuffs over it, okay? So I've got something that's going to blow your mind. This little Southern Baptist kid, when he was 24, heard this for the first time, (laughs) mind blown. When we say pastor or elder or overseer, we are saying the same thing. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, we're saying the exact same thing. We're talking about the spiritual overseer of the church family who is meant to be a, a godly man. He is not perfect, but he's also not alone. There's a team of shepherds, and the reason I called the series Shepherds and Sheep is because shepherd language gives us an idea that helps us understand what this person is supposed to be doing. And shepherd language also helps us to understand that a shepherd by himself isn't going to get any rest. A team of shepherds could actually take care of the flock a lot better. And shepherd language is probably the most common metaphor given throughout the Bible. You would not be wrong, and I'm not asking Foundation Christian Church to do this, If a church said, we're throwing out all this language, we're not going to say elders, we're not going to say pastors, we're not going to say, if we just are going to use the word shepherds, you would not be crazy to do that. That would not be totally bananas or bonkers by any means, because the Bible does use that language quite a bit, okay? So if if that's new, new for you, I just wanted to share that. Overseer, bishop, in some traditions, elder, pastor, and if you're studying Greek with Renault, Episcopoi. Huh? Nope. Deacons are an entirely different group. But you're a step ahead of me. We'll get to a sermon on that one day. No. If someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be a man who's, I'm sorry, he must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. 
For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. So that's to remind us to set a baseline of what we're talking about here, okay? So three things that I jotted down here in my notes from conversations this week, and and really before this week as well, that I wanted to share. The first is this. um, And when I say I dream of something, I'm not saying that it hasn't already, God hasn't already set it in motion, that it's not already partially happening. I dream of an eldership that is keenly aware of the past wounds of individuals. I dream of an eldership that is keenly aware of the past wounds of individuals. I personally am a person who has served in churches where we mostly had the term senior pastor. That was the term we used. And some of the people with that title kind of had a crown and a cape and a scepter and ruled from on high. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever experienced that before, but we've all seen it. Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that that's how the world does things in leadership. You've seen leadership in the world. They lord it over one another. That's what Jesus said. But amongst you, it must be different. Right? I've spoken with people in this church where your former church had elders. And the people who called themselves elders were thought they were spiritually high and mighty and they looked down on the flock. So they were spiritually lording it over others. So that that tells us that no matter what the title is, it is possible to allow arrogant people into positions of leadership, isn't it? It is possible for us to be proud. It is possible for us to do it wrong. It is possible for us to stop following the way of Jesus to start doing this man's way. Now, call this the brazenness of youth. I'm not particularly pessimistic when I think of here at ARCF, soon to be foundation. I'm not pessimistic about the idea of about us losing our leadership to arrogant men because we've already got good guys that I feel like they'll kick you on your keister real fast if, if you are puffed up. And so I'm, now I'm saying that from the inside and so I have a, a tremendous amount of confidence. I, I trust the guys that we have. Um, but it's very important, a few things. Something, let me, let me speak systemically. Something that can cut off pride must cut off pride 
at the very root. As a church family, we have to live and breathe the gospel of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. Because a bloodied cross doesn't allow me to think very highly of myself. A church that is filled with Pharisees stopped preaching the cross a long time ago. Right? Jesus died for your sins and your sins and your sins and my sins. Well, that humbles us. Let alone specific structures to carefully assess somebody who might be coming into a leadership position. So every Bible study... Every disciple group, every Sunday school class, every conversation, every coffee, are we impressed with ourselves? Are we impressed with our Savior? Those are our two options, right? Those are always our two options. Every person in this room potentially brings back leadership baggage with you when you come to ARCF Foundation. And I am no different. The elders know I bring tons of leadership baggage. Not just because I've been in leadership at four different churches before here, but because I'm a pastor's kid. You want to talk about a guy who's been kicked in the face a few different ways? There are probably very few people in the room who were six years old. Let's be clear. When you're six years old, you don't understand anything of what's going on in your parents' life. You're too, you're too young. Where because of evil stuff going on in your pastor's life, all of a sudden your parents are crying and you're selling the house and you're moving four states away. When I say that I want our eldership to be keenly aware, sensitive, loving, compassionate, and even Holy Spirit aggressive at tackling sin, the sin inside ourselves, right? Tackling sin in other people, that's what Pharisees do. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not, you know, invited into community and, and gentle and pushing, and, you know, you do fight sin in other people, but you don't do it as a jerk. I want us to take very seriously sin in the camp and sin at the very top. Because I've had my own heart ripped out more than once, and as an adult actually, because of the sins of pastors. I've watched churches split in two because of the sins of pastors. And I love you guys too much. I don't know how else to say it. I've listened to in conversations this week where some of you guys have said, this was our experience at our past church. And this is how we were treated by somebody who was called elder. It just hurt my heart. It wasn't here. 
and it wasn't the character of the elders that we have here, but it still hurt my heart. And it should. My heart hurts with you. And when you know, I tell the other elders what it was, their heart would hurt too. We're with you. I want us to build what we're trying to build right now, what, what by God's grace we kind of already have a little bit of. I want us to be sensitive. I don't want to, I guess what I'm trying to say is I am a, I'm a visionary type. I get very excited about the future. I'm the kind of guy who wants to rustle up the cavalry and say, yay, let's take the next hill. And I am the type of person who can really be ignorant sometimes of the past and, and your past wounds. I can be very ignorant of your past wounds and your hurts and, and therefore ignorant of your reservations. And I want to tell you in advance, I want to give you permission to come and talk to me and say, hey, Greg, you're kind of charging on to the next hill a little bit fast for me. I do that all the time and I apologize in advance. Some of the changes going on with the eldership right now are really exciting to me because I see how spiritually safe it is to have a team of godly people instead of just one dude who's got a hat. Really big hats inside religion usually goes bad. I don't know if you've seen that over the course of your life. In religious groups, the bigger the hat, the worse it gets. Okay, I love seeing a team of leaders. It makes me feel safe. Second thing on that, on that front. I dream of a church that keeps the gospel at the center as a means of ensuring humble leaders. If we want to see leadership as a pipeline, um, so somebody, maybe in this room, somebody generously donated four grand to get us this uh, playground three and a half years ago, bought this, this playground for us. And we had a service after, or in between services, back when we had two services, and um, we dedicated it, and I, and I laid hands on it, and we prayed, and I said, Lord, I ask that our next pastor plays on this playground. That's some of my future orientation showing itself. But I meant a few different things when I said it. One of the things that I meant was, Lord, would you please allow the Kaisers to stay here a really long time? Because I have an issue with getting moved around like a military brat. And I don't want my kids to get moved around like military brats. But secondly, what I really meant was, God, would you allow us to do children's ministry with the intensity that we are training pastors, even though that right now they're in the toddler class? That's what I really meant. God, would you have us teaching the Jonah story right now in the toddler class with the intensity of believing that these kids one day are going to be missionaries in Vietnam? That's my dream. That's my hope. Because some things don't happen because we don't dream them. That's my conviction. Every member of the body plays a role, and I think the leaders, our job is to dream certain things. We speak certain things into existence. We need to dream for the rest of the body. Who knows if it'll happen? But what if, 
what if we said, let's demand of this church a humility that honors Christ in every regard, in every direction. Let's, let's find humility in every heart. Let's demand humility in every soul so Christ gets his glory out of every life and so that every single person can lead. If a woman is arrogant, we don't want her to become a mother because a mother is a leader. She's going to go into the workplace perhaps and lead something, and if she's arrogant, it's bad. So we want humility everywhere. <laughs> a man is arrogant, and he might become a father, and he's a leader now. We don't want him arrogant because now his influences multiply. Like We don't want that. There's just no place anywhere in a human where we don't want humility for God's glory let alone if a man is, is uh, godly and mature and he's been walking with the Lord for a while and we think that he ought to perhaps serve as an elder. The leadership pipeline, Lord willing, should be deep. Even if you just thought of it as a, as a high school football team. The way that you treat your freshmen four years later, is going to determine how many seniors can lead, right? The bar that you set for freshmen four years later, you get what you got, okay? And then a third, and this isn't to hope for the future. This is something that already exists that I'm really excited about, and uh, we're almost out of time, so. And this is just kind of a thank you, Jesus, because this definitely already existed when I got here. And I want to make you aware of it if you're not. Because this, I don't know that I've ever seen this before at a church. I am really excited about the level of transparency that our elders have. It has been said from up front more than once, sometimes semi-jokingly, that the elder meetings are open to anybody who wants to come. Um, the first, maybe all month long, but definitely the uh, first Sunday of each month, the uh, monthly calendar gets printed and, and stu stuffed in the bulletin or back there next to the bulletin at the connection table. And you can see right there or, or online, you can see in the monthly calendar, oh, that's when the elder meeting is. And it may not be for some of you the exactly the highlight of your month, <laughs> but there are at least for, for the elders, there are some very cool and, and important things that get talked about and, and decisions that get made for sure. And since definitely since I've been here, but probably for years back, that is an open meeting that everybody is welcome to come to. And I just want to tell you guys, as a relative newcomer to ARCF, that is not true all the time. And I love that, and I hate even saying it, but the highest levels of power in our church, the decision makers, the people that can modify the budget to within certain parameters, the people that can hire and fire staff, etc., the ones that study scripture and help us know how are we going to teach the Bible. That meeting is open to anybody. And in a world 
where the evening news is filled with people that abuse power, abuse money, abuse people, the evening news is a mess on the regular. I love that on the second Thursday of any month, you can just walk into this room and pull up a chair, and we're going to say, hi, how you doing? And you can join us for 30 minutes of prayer, and the next, heaven help us, two and a half, three hours <laughs> of discussion and decision-making, second Thursday of any month. I love that. I love that, and perhaps I love that because I've been in darker places where you didn't really get to do that. Um, I'm grateful if that's all you've ever known is easy access to the leaders. Praise the Lord if you've never been in a dark place. Praise the Lord if, if you don't know where power builds walls and walls and walls. Praise the Lord. But, but I've been in places where it wasn't really that great. <laughs> and so I, I, whether it was Rhodes who created that or the leader before Rhodes, whoever made that happen, I praise the Lord for it. Whoever made that happen, thank you, Jesus, for that. So those are a few things that have been on my heart and have been on my mind that aren't big enough to fill an entire sermon with each idea. Um, we're going to be preaching the next two Sundays still on this topic, actual text from the Bible, actual sermons um, on what are the qualifications of an elder, what does the scripture say. Uh, you're already familiar with the text. We've been in First Timothy 3 uh, a couple of times these last couple of weeks. Thank you guys for bearing with me. Um, and I guess since I'm up here, let me just go ahead and say it. Please pray for me. My, I've never felt what's going on in my head right now. It's very weird. I'm, I am, my brain is adjusting to meds, and I would say it's pregnancy brain, but that's just not biologically possible. So everything my wife described, that's how it feels. Um, I am going to pray for us, and then we're going to watch an announcement video. How's that sound? Lord Jesus, everything regarding eldership, what really gets down to it, Jesus, is we're asking for your leadership. So Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you fill our elders and their brides? Um, we want to follow you, Lord. We believe that you are moving in and through us. We believe you're moving in Citrus Heights, seeking and saving the lost. God, we need you um, to fulfill a great and grand destiny uh, we don't want to go about business as usual, Lord, but we want to see people saved by you, Jesus. We want to see people come to faith in you and those of us who love you, Lord. We want to come to greater and greater um, places of obedience in our walk with you, Jesus. So would you please take us there for the glory of your name? Amen.